to another episode of Small Town Sports Talk. As always, I'm Jonah Freeman with co-host Andrew Willett, and today we have another very special guest. Jonah, you're absolutely right. We've got the vice president of the ISC Sports Network, TV voice of Indy 11. He does post-game for Colts Radio. He's the IHSA Champions Network, works with them, IUPUI Basketball on ESPN+. Plus. Jonah, I was telling you, this guy does absolutely everything. And is really just a legend in the field. We're very pleased to welcome Mr. Greg Rachstraw. Hello, guys. How are we doing? Doing great. Uh, obviously, first question, how are you and how is your family? Family is good. Uh, I've got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old here. So the five-year-old doesn't start school until, you know, August. So uh, that's kind of one less worry. Uh, but uh, my nine-year-old is... Uh, motoring through e-learning as best she can the family is good both my wife and i are 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 working from home so uh i'm not sure that we label rooms anymore as like you know the kitchen the dining room it's more like this is so-and-so's office this is so-and-so's office and uh and things like that (laughs) yeah how's been how's been being a teacher you know it's funny that if if i wasn't a broadcaster i would probably be a teacher and coach for a living so, huh. you know, if you're a good play-by-play guy, you're pretty good at describing things. So right. uh, my, my third grade math and reading skills are probably far better than they were about a month or so ago. I like to hear it. Um, so straight up, obviously, the virus has completely changed the way the world operates. What was your initial reaction when we started getting news of different sports leagues being canceled? You know, it was amazing that, you know, kind of how all maybe naive we were a couple of months ago. Uh, and, and you would hear about, you know, this happening in other places. And even if we said, OK, it's going to impact us somehow, I don't think anybody would have had any idea as to how complete it would have been. And I remember like the moment that it hit home was when, you know, you had the issue at, at the uh, at the Thunder Jazz game while the Mavericks were playing somebody on ESPN. I remember it was Ryan Rucco and Doris Burke. I can tell you who the, who the Mavericks were playing that night. But just how they're like, hey, we're going to complete this game, and then the NBA season is on pause. And that was a Wednesday night. I remember going, it's going to affect the rest of us starting immediately. And then, you know, by the, by the next day, conference basketball tournaments were being canceled. The NCAA tournament was canceled. Uh, you know, first, then the high school basketball tournament was postponed, and then eventually it was canceled. Then it became spring sports that were wiped out, uh, you know, after that. So, you know, it, it was, I understood why everything was done. It was still amazing to me that we got to that point so quickly. And we use the phrase going from zero to 60. We went from 60 to zero in seemingly 24 hours to where everything was happening. And then absolutely nothing was happening. And and that's kind of where we've been now for these last two months. Right. I remember uh, Andrew and I were actually at Bangers Life Fieldhouse watching Indiana play in the Big Ten tournament. And we were there when they first announced it, just that they wouldn't have fans. And Andrew and I have talked about this before. It just seemed like from that point forward, like every hour there was a new update coming out of a new cancellation or a new postponement. And like you said, before you know it, we were down to nothing in a matter of 24 hours. Uh, it, it uh, again, looking back on it, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. I get it, I understand it, and and while I was 
upset at the situation. I was not upset at the ruling, you know, because again, it was, I understand why it was done. And, and then thinking back to being at Lawrence central the week before and the people that, again, as we have learned that have passed away or have been sick that were at that facility, you know, during the course of that week, um, again, it, it shows why, unfortunately, canceling the ISSA basketball tournament was, was probably the right decision. Right. Absolutely. Uh, got to ask you, uh, what are you doing to stay occupied during these <laughs> times? Uh, what, what are you watching? Have you gone back and listened to yourself on old broadcast? What, what's going on? A, a little bit of that. I'm growing a beard. Uh, I'm, I'm doing that to pass the time. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I can tell I, I'm, I'm morphing to some degree into a TV guy because TV guys tend not to shave when they're not on camera. Um, and, and so honestly, knowing I, I had no idea how prophetic I was going to be after the sectional for as much fun as the regional semi-state and state finals are my normal schedule during the month of March, you know, once you get through the sectionals, like, all right, you know, life slows down because I've only got to worry about four teams or, or six teams on a weekend, and I'm only doing games on, on Saturdays. So I'm like, all right, so I'm going to let the beard grow for a few days before I then shave before the Saturday, or the Saturday regional. Well, so I was already a week into the beard when, when, the, uh, when the shutdown hit. So with that, I'm now, you know, two months strong on this thing. And uh, wow. I got facial hair in places I realized I didn't realize I could actually grow facial hair. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so there's that. Um, you know, I, I do go back and, and listen to some old broadcasts. One of the things that we're doing with ISC is we have a, broad, have a game of the day, you know, where we're trying to take a game that normally is for only subscribers or behind the paywall and make that available. So in theory, if you're a high school sports fan, we're going to give you a free game you can watch every day, you know, on the website to, to give you some sports, you know, while there is this void going on. For sure. And it kind of took us as a company about three or so weeks to figure out, okay, how can we do something? You know, we can't go out and televise a game. What can we do? And like a lot of people, you know, you're kind of figuring out, okay, hey, you know, the technology's got to the point where if we do things via Zoom, um, you know, we can add some B-roll, we can add some highlights on the back end of that. And so I've kind of gone back to my talk show days, although it's much more, you know, kind of long form podcasting with some highlights yeah. and B-roll mixed in, but, but doing a Zoom show and I'm recording five or six of those a week and we debut at least one of those, you know, on a nightly basis. So I'm getting to have some, some interesting conversations with, uh, with people I know very well, and I'll be filming one next week with the guy. You guys know very well in Mark Jaynes. So looking forward to having that conversation down the road. Right. Uh, no Last Dance for you? I have been watching The Last Dance. That okay. has been a point of television uh, every Sunday night. Uh, and, and again, having, you know, the entirety of my high school and college days were the eight years in which Michael Jordan won championships. So, like, I specifically, the first NBA Finals game he played, the one he lost against the Lakers, in, in 91, I was on the campus of Rose Holman at Dick Baumgartner's shooting camp. Uh, and, and so it was, it was cool. So literally I'm watching this on a, on a big screen back then, you know, which meant it was like five feet wide and three feet deep um, with like a hundred other people in the lobby of a dorm. But we were watching this and game number two, we watched with, with some, with some friends I made like five or six of us, in somebody's dorm room that had brought in a television uh, and, 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 and watched it that way. So the, the last three titles he won 
uh, were like my sophomore, junior, and senior years of college. And by the time, you know, they played the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals in 98, I was actually working full-time at WNDE uh, at that point. And, and so covering, you know, the Pacers and chronicling, you know, every game, every play, et cetera. So, no, that is a walk down memory lane for me. So, yeah, my, uh, you know, the, the kids go to bed early on Sunday nights, you know, so I can watch the, uh, you know, watch the unedited version of The Last Dance from 9 to 11. Right. Um, what most about the sports world do you miss? Uh, being at a game. And, and I think I've always had pretty, a pretty good handle on saying, listen, I, I realize how lucky I am that I get paid to go to ball games for a living. Well, I haven't been to a ball game since March 7th. And uh, normally my longest gap between doing play-by-play is maybe a week, two weeks, or even like three weeks at an extreme. You know, my, when, when you do as many games as I do, you tend to be, you know, I, I can plan my schedule three to six to nine months in advance. So like right. vacations in our family are usually – end of June, early July, just because I usually get a week or two off from the Indy 11 state finals wrap up on father's day weekend. And, and so, you know, sometimes it, one time we went like July 14th, to the 24th, this is my schedule. Wasn't that busy, you know, during, during that right before training camp started or during that 10 day stretch. And so having this big of a break without having gone to a game and having the, you know, being sideline or, or 50 yard line, whatever, you know, that, without that being the office view, that's that's very odd to me. And, and again, I, I don't think I was a person that needed a reminder to be appreciative of, of everything that I that I have, everything that I get from a career standpoint. But the first time I go back and, and do a sporting event, oh, that's going to be so much fun. I bet. Right, and I got to ask one thing. Um, like you said, you do a lot of IHSA games. Who was your favorite to win the 4A title? And uh, my favorite to win 4A was Lawrence North. Um, right. I thought Lawrence North was going to win the regional. Uh, I thought Bloomington South was going to win their regional. And having done both teams, I thought LN was the better team, but it wasn't like Bloomington South couldn't have beaten them. You know, if right. it was a, a seven-game series, you know, I probably would have liked LN to win in, in, say, five or six. But Bloomington South was such a good jump-shooting team and are so well-coached, and they were such a senior-laden group that, you know, if, if bounces broke the right way, they could have won that game. So I, I thought the, I thought the northern half of the 4A bracket was wide open, that it could have been Culver or Carmel or, or, or you know, numerous other people. But I thought in the south it was much more cut and dry, that it was going to be that it was going to be LN and Bloomington South playing in, in a semi-state to a packed house. Uh, before we we're kind of gonna dig into uh, you mentioned that you watched Michael Jordan's the eight years when he was winning championships. Before we did in, did into that, what are your expectations for when we will get a return to sports? You know, it's you know p- people are starting to kind of target you know July first, and and there's you know what Governor Holcomb has done in the state of Indiana. Uh, you know, saying, hey, if, if we hit all of these steps along the way, then July 4th weekend, you know, kind of larger gatherings, a.k.a. sporting events, you know, will start taking place. Obviously, that coincides with the IndyCar Grand Prix. That coincides with the Brickyard 400 on its new weekend date of July 4th. Uh, the league the Indy 11 are playing in 
uh, you know, the USL championship. They haven't said it publicly, but for example, uh, as of Monday, they're going to allow uh, a smaller number of players to go back to team facilities and start training. Uh, you know, there has been rumors that they're going to try to restart their season uh, as of July 1st. Uh, you know, IHSAA, while there's no games in July, they're going to allow teams, again, assuming everything between now and then kind of progresses, that, you know, on-campus activities can resume as of July 1st. So, you know, I, I think we're going to be in, in, in wait-and-see mode. I've got a couple of events that are going to take place uh, that we're televising for ISC uh, that, that we hope happen at the end of May, early June. But I think for the most part, you know, the, the month of July will go a long way in showing us, hey, we can do this, and then the NFL preseason, and then high school football, and then college football, and, and taking it from there. That'd right. be nice for sure. Did you have that one person growing up that was just like your big inspiration? And uh, if so, like, what moment did you know, like, this is it, like, I want to do broadcasting as my job? You know, I, I get asked that question a lot, and I don't know if there was a definitive moment for me in terms of, of, of one event, but I knew at a very young age I wanted to be a sportscaster. Uh, yeah. Maybe people said I had a, a, a good speaking voice and I had a passion for sports and, and you know, things got put together. Um, there was There's an event that still takes place. I, I grew up in Southern Indiana, um, but if, if we go by media markets, I'm really from the Louisville media market. Uh, I grew up about 20 miles west of Louisville on the Indiana side, small town called Lanesville. And um, my dad was a volunteer firefighter. Well, the reason I bring that up in the conversation is that there is a big charity event every year called the Crusade for Children. And one of their main sources of raising money for the Crusade, or the people that's calling in and pledging donations, is that area firefighters, uh, you know, all, you know, in, in my hometown, they'd stand at two of the main intersections, hold up a boot, you put in some spare change, put in a couple of bucks if you got it. And then they would take that in to the studio. This was something that was televised really over like a day and a half. This was like a, a 36 hour, you know, consecutive broadcast that WHS TV in Louisville would do. And so my dad was a firefighter. So I got to go in, I got to go be on TV. I got to meet one of my favorite sportscasters and Paul Rogers, who has now for, I don't know, geez, maybe 20, 25 years, been the radio voice of the University of Louisville Cardinals. But I had a chance to meet him uh, and, and it was just kind of one thing led to another. And I knew from a very young age and probably back then, uh, it was more along the lines of, I'm going to be a television sportscaster, you know, to, to use the Indianapolis example, I'm going to be a Dave Calabro. I'm going to be a Dave first. I'm going to be an Anthony Calhoun, something along those lines. Guys that I grew up watching in Louisville were guys like Bob Dominey, uh, and Dave Conrad. Uh, and a guy that's now been, this is a little bit later on, but he's now been there for, for nearly 35 years, is Fred Calgill, who is the sports director at, at the CBS affiliate WLKY in Louisville. And so, you know, I don't know if it was one definitive thing. I fell in love with watching sports at like the age of five and a half. Uh, like the first sporting event I remember watching, to bring it back to Michael Jordan, was the 82 Final Four. Uh, I remember watching Georgetown and North Carolina in the semifinals. I remember watching Louisville, uh, you know, play in, in those semifinals uh, against North Carolina before that. So, so, you know, and from that point in time on, if there were sports on TV, that's what I was going to be doing. Well, Dredd, uh, who were your favorite teams and players growing up? 
Uh, the Reds are my team. And, and, you know, for those that are slightly older than me, you will hear them talk about the big red machine. Well, to show you, I'm not a bandwagon fan. The first year I started watching Cincinnati Reds baseball, they went 61 and 101 in 1982. Uh, so, so in Louisville at the time, you know, I, I was a University of Louisville fan. Uh, I was a Reds fan and I was a Bengals fan because the Colts did not move to Indianapolis until I was in the third grade. And so it, it kind of happened when I came up here to go to school at the University of Indianapolis that I uh, somewhat shifted my allegiances, you know, to being a Colts fan more than a Bengals fan. Uh-huh. And little did I know that four years later, you know, two years later, I'd be covering the team on a semi-regular basis. And that two years after that, I would actually earn a paycheck by having a behind-the-scenes role on the Colts radio network broadcast in both 1998 and 1999. And obviously now I've had a relationship with the team for the last eight years going on nine. So, you know, growing up, University of Louisville was my, was my college team. The Reds were my baseball team and the Bengals were my NFL team. Uh, What expectations do you have for the Reds this year? Because you know that there's, there's a little bit to be excited about uh, with, you know, but at the same time, you know, there hasn't been a lot of success. I think what last World Series was 1990, maybe. So, uh, you know, like what, what are your thoughts, expectations as far as this year for the Reds? Uh, I like the moves they've made in getting Moustakis uh, and, and what they've done the last couple of years in terms of uh, bolstering, uh, you know, the, the pitching staff. Um, you know, I, Lord knows what's going to happen. You know, how many games are going to play, you know, you know and, and what impact that has on the race. As a Reds fan, let's start here. Let's finish over 500. Let's be in contention for the wild card. I think they can do that. If there's anything greater than that in terms of winning the division, that's awesome. Uh, but uh, I, I think being above 500 for the first time in a handful of years, that'd be a nice change of pace. Bet, 100%, yeah. Speaking of baseball, the Korean Baseball League is back underway. Clearly, they have no fans right now. The broadcaster said he's uh, simply looking at a monitor far away from the stadium. Yep. What is your opinion on sporting events with no fans? Well, it all goes down to, you know, where the revenue comes from. And, you know, I, I referenced the Indy 11. And that's going to be a very interesting um, quandary, so to speak, that, um, that, that the league, their league is facing. You know, if you're the NFL, if you're Major League Baseball, if you're the NBA, maybe to a lesser degree the National Hockey League, there is money to be made off of your television rights. And perhaps, you know, are you going to lose some money because you're not getting gate revenue? Yes. But would you lose more money if you're losing the television contract? And the answer would be yes. Well, the Indy 11 are unique in that every game is televised or at least is, is webcast as if it were TV. You know, you can watch Indy 11 games that we don't do on Wish TV or My Indy TV on ESPN+. But still, the primary economic driver for that league is ticket revenue. And so, you know, will they play games with no fans or will they simply say, we will wait until we can get fans in the building? And then there comes the follow-up. Okay, just how many fans are willing to say, all right, I'll take some degree of risk here and I'm going to go support my team. But you would expect crowds to be down across the board whenever fans are let in. It will take a lot of people to say, "Okay, you know what? 
you know, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch a game in person. So as far as the broadcaster watching things from far away, uh, that's because he's doing a remote broadcast. And, and even I uh, do stuff like that. When we do Indy 11 road games, uh, I am in a studio at Wish TV and I am calling a game off of a monitor. You talk to Mark James, there have been times where he is calling a race off a monitor, whether it's in person or simply no line of sight view uh, from a radio standpoint at an IndyCar venue. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, something that it happens a lot in the business, probably not as much as, you know, it happens more than fans realize. Um, and, and, and if you're in Korea, there's probably enough advertising on television and enough advertising on jerseys and enough advertising on signs that are in the, in the baseball venue where, yeah, you're going to, you're missing the fan dollars, but you'd be missing a lot more money if you weren't playing. And so that's the reason why they've been able to go back and start at this time. And uh, I, I'm glad they're, they're playing. I'm glad that ESPN is televising it. I'm too middle-aged and old to stay up late at night and watch them play. But I am happy that, that at least we have that option, that opportunity. Right. 100%. Um, so obviously you mentioned with IC to, you know, a daily game. But what other aspects of your job as far as working from home have changed? Like, there's not stuff to do as far as broadcast goes. But are there other things you're trying to incorporate other than, you know, your daily game and your Zoom calls? Like, what what is giving you enjoyment with your job right now? You know, it, it, a lot of it's planning and trying to, to think about, okay, let's let's schedule for the fall. And let's see what events we can put together when hopefully things are, are, are better and safer and people are more healthy. Uh, and, and you can go about resuming some semblance of everyday life and kind of sports as we knew them beforehand. Uh, our partnership with MyNDTV, we are airing some of our better games from the past football and basketball seasons. Football games, Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, basketball, Sunday afternoons at 2. Uh, that's through the month of May, and that might be extended into June. Uh, kind of, again, knowing that it looks like, for the most part, a lot of live local sports are all looking to be more in, in the month of July, maybe more so than the month of June um, at this point in time. So, you know, as a brand, we're trying to keep our brand out there, uh, you know, do what events we can, uh, you know, do as much content. You'll hear that business a lot of people, or that, you'll hear that phrase a lot of people in my business, you know, we're all in the content business these days. So trying to create as much of that as possible, knowing you can't be the real thing. And, and, Hopefully we get back to having games and stadiums in front of people or at least broadcasting them into people's homes as, as soon as humanly possible. Right. All right. We're going to transition here because obviously you are the post game host for the Indianapolis Colts on radio. And we just have to ask uh, any word on Adam Vinatieri. Uh, he's looking to come back for another season, but is that ship sailed? I, I think he will get an opportunity elsewhere. I don't think he's going to come back with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you know, they obviously have McLaughlin, who, who did well uh, at the end of last year and was with three different teams over the course of last season. They offered the undrafted free agent contract to Rodrigo Blankenship, the young man from Georgia. Uh, and, and even though you have more flexibility on a 90-man roster, you're not carrying three kickers plus a punter. Most teams will carry two. So they have some degree of camp leg that they can work with, but you're not going to carry three. Um, and I was having this conversation with JMV yesterday on the fan. 
um, in terms of I, I think Adam will get a look from somebody as an injury replacement. In other words, where he not have to go to training camp with someone, but let's say a kicker gets hurt or a kicker struggles early in the year, then maybe Adam Vinatieri gets a look uh, as a guy to replace that person. But I don't think it will be with this football team unless unless they go through some sort of injury issue at the kicking position. So I do think we'll see him in uniform again. I don't know if it'll be with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think so at this point. Right. And uh, we just mentioned, you know, we're trying to find ways to get broadcast into people's homes. Uh, and we just watched a virtual draft with the NFL. I personally feel like it went well. Yep. Um, what did you think of the virtual aspect and how do you feel the Colts weekend went overall? I thought the Colts draft was outstanding. Uh, and, you know, the Jonathan Taylor pick to me was a bit of a surprise, uh, but it was a pleasant surprise. I, we I, wanted I, to I ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I really didn't think they would draft a running back. Uh, but the fact that they did, uh, again, it, <laughs> I, I expect Marlon Mack to get a heavy dose of touches this year. I'm not sure he's getting a big contract extension in the offseason. Uh, and that's kind okay. of the unfortunate nature of that position, uh, you know, these days. Um but, you know, they had, they had to get Pittman. Uh, they got a quarterback in Easton. And again, will he be the starter at some point? Who knows? Uh, but, you know, I thought he was a good value in the fourth round. Uh, I thought overall the Colts draft was a good one. And, and more importantly, you combine it with free agency. The only kind of, I wouldn't even say glaring, the only thing that, that gives me, you know, reason for concern is, is depth at offensive line. Their starting five is as good as any in the league. But they lost right. offensive linemen six and seven to free agency. They did bring in Danny Penner from from Ball State, who is from South Bend. Uh, they did bring back LaRaven Clark, uh, who has been a perpetual backup the last three or four years. They offered a, a young man that played college football in Canada um, a, a contract, a chance to make the team. It would not surprise me if they look at a veteran at some point during the offseason uh, to bring in just because offensive line depth is a bit of an issue. But if that's the first, if that's the first thing that I bring up, they're in pretty good shape. Um, yeah. As far as the technical aspect of things, what ESPN pulled off with, with minimal glitches, there was a seemingly a bit of a delay when you would hear Lewis Riddick speak. Uh, there were some times that, that, you know, Trey Wingo might've had a misstep verbally, but given the different places they were going, amount of video feed they were trying to control, um, and, and even even the mechanics of the draft itself, where there seemingly weren't many hiccups between the league and its teams, I, I thought that was a uh, thought that was a borderline miraculous how how, how hmm. seemingly smooth everything went that weekend. Well, I've got to ask you about the uh, quarterback room in Indy, as still. Just a year off of the retirement of Andrew Luck, the Colts and Frank Reich brought in Phillip Rivers for one year, $25 million to take the job over Jacoby Brissett. And as you mentioned, they drafted quarterback Jacob Eason in round four. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Colts QB situation? Well, the Q Colts QB situation is solid for this year and wide open for next year. Um, you know, if Phillip Rivers plays well, he's a starting quarterback in 2021. I think this is Jacoby's last year with the Colts, and I would not be surprised if, especially if, if Eason has a good showing in training camp, uh, if, if the Colts look to move Jacoby. And again, much as I talked about, you know, if there's a team that all of a sudden has an injury run at quarterback, then Jacoby's going to be a highly sought-after target. 
And I think if you're Chris Ballard, you can take that situation all the way up to the trade deadline, much as the Patriots did with Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of years ago, where they waited to the absolute last minute and got what they felt was the best package of picks they could, knowing they were not going to re-sign him after the season. And so I think the Colts from the same situation with Brissett. And if they don't get a package of, of picks that they potentially like, then they'll keep Jacoby as the backup and they'll keep Eason as the third quarterback, you know, this year. So um, I, I, th- I think they're as deep as any team at quarterback this year in 2020. They are spending more money at the quarterback position than any team is in, in 2020, but they have, they have given themselves um, options, but also to some degree paying themselves in a corner as to what next year might look like. But simply put, if Phillip Rivers has a good year in 2020 and he wants to play in 21, then he'll be the starter in 2021 for the Indianapolis Colts as well. Right. Um, Andrew and you both mentioned, you know, Eason does have a chance to like come in as that starting quarterback in a couple of years down the road. And um, obviously the Packers, they had their questionable move of trading up to get Jordan Love. We had heard that possibly there was a chance that the Packers came up to get Love because they felt the Colts might come up and get him. Do you think that Love was an option for the Colts, or do you think our whole plan was focusing on Pittman in the second round and then some, like, get another weapon like Jonathan Taylor? Right. I, I really think that that the plan was, you know, knowing they traded the first-round pick to get Buckner, and that was obviously a need, that they, they were not going to trade 34 unless they had to go get a wide receiver. And there was so much depth in the draft at wide receiver the end of the second round that, that, you know, once it, once it got to 34, once it got to day two, the Colts weren't going to be trading that pick. They were literally taking the best receiver available and that's the way in which they were going to go. Um, I thought maybe at 41, but Chris Ballard clearly thought he could get as good of a quarterback in round three or round four as he could in round number two. So I, I think if love had had more of a fall, Maybe they look at him with the second pick in the second round, uh, as, as in as in what was 44 before they then traded up to 41 to get Taylor. Uh, but I, I think there was a, a, I think there was more smoke than substance to the, the idea of the Colts getting back into the first round to get Jordan Love. Yeah, um, honestly, this was a move I was surprised, a little surprised about. Um, what are your thoughts on the? the Malik Hooker situation, obviously, you know, the Colts just declined the fifth year option. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I, I was surprised to some degree, but then again, not because he's been average. He's been okay. Uh, you know, he's not been burned for a bunch of big plays, but he's not made a bunch of big plays. And so I, I think the Colts, the way Chris Ballard has, has done things, he has given himself salary cap flexibility every offseason. And if Malik Hooker blows up and has a great year, that he gets rewarded a year faster. They can then pay him a lot of money and do so over multiple years if they think he's the guy. And if he kind of continues on this plane of being okay, not horrible, not wonderful, then, you know, they drafted a safety in the third round. Young man from Utah that is dealing with a knee injury that we may not, we may not see much of. They obviously invested in Kari Willis and like him a lot, enough to let Clayton Gathers move on during the course of the offseason. So it is very much a, a prove-it year for Malik Hooker. Uh, and, and so that that's kind of the, the risk-reward the Colts took with that move, and, and personally, I'm okay with it. 
Elijah, moving on to uh, IHSAA, you call quite a few sporting events for them, including the baseball state finals, one of which being a few years back with someone I'm obviously very close with, Mr. Mark James, <laughs> the voice of the Annapolis 500. But you had the chance to call the final inning of your alma mater, Lanesville High School, winning the state title game. What was that like? Uh, unbe- unreal. Uh, really on both fronts because, you know, it, it was so cool. Um, to, to see so many friends and family, you know, that were at the game and obviously made it the year before. Uh, and, and, and Mark had kind of, so Mark and I were together both in 16 and 17 In 16, they lost to Daleville and 17, they beat Rossville. Well, with what I do with ISC, Rossville is in our footprint. You know, we've had a lot of Rossville games over the years. And I actually had Rossville in baseball that year during the regular season before then I had them in the state championship. And so as, as much as, you want to root for your hometown team, you have to be impartial during the broadcast. And I could have sat there and spit out fact after fact and story after story about Lanesville, but I, I needed to give equal time and equal consideration to the kids from Rossville. And so it was both, you know, joyful and nerve wracking at the same time because you're trying to not be biased and not be a complete homer. I wasn't doing a Lanesville broadcast. I was doing a statewide broadcast. And so I loved it. It was fun. But uh, it was almost a sense of relief when the broadcast was over as much as anything else. Hmm. Was that your favorite broadcasting moment? And if not, what was? It's up there. Um, You know, doing any NFL game. Even if it's preseason, I've now done six preseason games on TV. The audience is so big, the stage is so big. Uh, that is an honor. Uh, that is one. Of, you know, there's only 32 of those jobs in, in the world, and so to, to have, even if it's a temporary job, just for one month a year, every year, uh, th- there's just some cool points to doing that. I never lose sight of the fact that when I broadcast a state final, this is a dream of a broadcaster to get there. But it's also the dream of the athletes that are playing in that game. And I never take it for granted. I always put extra emphasis and effort uh, on putting together a quality broadcast and unearthing as many facts as I can um, about the teams, about the hometowns, about the players um, in doing a state championship. And this, I'm sure, will be echoed by Mark, and especially as the voice of the 500. But I never get goosebumps when I go to a venue the way that I do race day at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, and, 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 you know, I've been lucky enough, I've been kind of off and on in my career, uh, where I, I covered eight consecutive 500s and I was gone for five years and I was back, uh, for, uh, I've been back for the last six. So when, it, when we resume in, in August, it'll be the seventh in a row that I've been able to cover, uh, and, and having the chance to work with guys like Mark and Donald Davidson and Paul Page, um, and legends of the Motor Speedway Radio Network. Um, you know, and, and call those guys colleagues now uh, is, is really cool. So I, I'm lucky in that, not just that I get to do what I love for a living, but that I get to do it in a lot of different venues and, and methods of transmission. It makes my life pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, a couple more questions here. What advice do you have? Obviously, Joan and I are two young men trying to be sports media members, but what advice do you have during these times and just in general for aspiring media members. Do the work. Uh, and it doesn't have to be necessarily in your 
particular field um, in terms of, you know, you can write for the school newspaper, so to speak, uh, but it benefits you as a potential broadcaster. Uh, you know, you know, you, you may be a guy that's going to be in front of the camera going forward, but it doesn't hurt you to have some experience behind the camera as well. Um, it doesn't hurt you to work in the, in the, you know, as an intern, you know, for a minor league baseball team, because it gives you an idea as to how the other side thinks, if you will, and operates. Uh, and so just be around sports, whether it's as a broadcaster or in public relations or working the grounds crew or being a ticket taker or being an usher. Um, if you want to work in sports for a living, you want to be a broadcaster for a living, then be around things that are broadcast uh, because it's an extra line on the resume. Uh, and, and, and at a young age, you, know, you may be doing something part time. and you, you know what? I don't like doing this. Uh, and the example I give is that, you know, my internship was at Channel 13 in the news department. And I was mentored by a lot of great people. I had a lot of great opportunities, but I learned after 14 weeks, you know what? I don't want to work in television news. And that was very valuable because it cemented the fact, hey, the sports route and, and maybe sports radio or sports play-by-play, maybe that's where you need to be. Uh, and so um, just be around it as much as you can and soak up as many experiences and uh, and paychecks on the side as you possibly can as well. Wow. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, one more question for me. You mentioned it earlier, Rates Zoom Show. Uh, you have put in 13 episodes already. Tell us about that before you head off. Sure. And, and so like everybody else, you're kind of trying to figure out, okay, what can we do? Uh, and, and so uh, this, is, this is me with people that I have known for many, many years. Uh, and so we have debuted about 13 or 14 at this point. We've got about nine or 10 more that we have filmed. Uh, and so I think we have produced, I think we have taped 23 or 24 episodes at this juncture. Uh, and so it, it's me having conversations with friends of mine. And, and that is a variety of coaches, broadcasters, athletes, administrators, and I'm trying to mix up different walks of life, different parts of the state, different sports, um, and, and, and doing that on a regular basis. So like last night, we, we, we uh, debuted two episodes. One is a buddy of mine that runs a soccer website, socktakes.com. Uh, but his day job, he's a professor at DePaul University. And so we talked uh, about both. The other person I interviewed last night is Odell Bradley, which may not be a name known to many people. He's one of the best basketball players in the history of IUPUI, and he actually has the record for, for highest points per game average in a season in their Division I history, and not the guy that's played 12 years in the NBA in George Hill. Uh, and so talked to Odell and caught up with him about a week or so ago. So the ability, again, to you know talk about a variety of things, kind of like when I do a variety of different things from play-by-play. I, I, I like that variety when it comes to having conversations as well. So we'll debut one of those every weeknight at 630 as, uh, as long as we're still all stuck in our homes. All right. And then uh, one last thing we have for you, it's called the 60 second speed round where we have about 10 questions. We try to get as many of them out in 60 seconds as you can. If you get them all great, if not, no worries. So are you ready? Fire away. All right. Time starts now. So who is your favorite current athlete? Uh, Tucker Barnhart. Favorite all-time athlete? Chris Sabo. Favorite sport to broadcast? All of them. <laughs> Favorite movie? 
Uh, Major League. Favorite song artist. artist. Favorite song or artist? Yeah. That's that going to make me think. Uh, Tribe Called Quest. Favorite shoe brand? Um, I have size 14, so whatever fits. <laughs> Favorite restaurant? Uh, whatever's closest. Um, I tell you what, the, the, uh, over the years, Taco Bell. Right. I like it. If you had to pick a superpower, what would it be? Uh, the ability to teleport because I try to get in as many things as I can in one day. So I get there quicker. Favorite book. Uh, favorite book. Oh my goodness. The encyclopedia blazer Tanica. All right. Time. Did I get to 10 questions? How did I do? Uh, you had one more, but nine oh. out of 10 is not bad at all. Okay, good. Great, great straw, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on small town sports talk. I hope you know how much Jonah and I appreciate your help. It is inspiring, and it was just a pleasure to talk to you. Anytime, fellas. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you to our listeners for listening. If you made it this far, remember to follow us on Twitter at stsquared2, and you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. I'm Andrew Willett with Jonah Freeman, and today, Dread Rachetraw. Thank you for listening.